0: Welcome to It All Starts With You podcast, where young, health-centered people come to get fired up to learn the tips, tricks, and health hacks of what it takes to level up your performance. I'm your host, Michael Sack, and each week, I'll be bringing you the most incredible people to share their story and knowledge in order to help you Take your health to the next level. Jacob Scampus, welcome to It All Starts With You, mate. Thank
1: you. Appreciate having me, Michael.
0: Absolute pleasure. Tell me, why do you do what you do?
1: Well, uh, when I first started out in, uh, I guess, fitness as a young, very eager 15-year-old, I... Uh, wanted to, you know, lose weight myself. I remember, you know, always feeling conscious about my physique. Um, I was always on the chubby side growing up and yeah, I hit the gym, started training. It was like, you know, chest every day kind of thing and wanting to obviously lose weight. And I got into, you know, the forums, bodybuilding.com, um, I cut out carbs, probably didn't eat um, a carbohydrate for... A year or so, avoided them like the plague. Got some pretty good results purely because I worked my ass off, and I was very good at starving myself, essentially. But it uh, led me down the path of, you know, helping other people. Even though I didn't really know what I was doing, clearly, uh, a lot of people came up to me, saw the results that I was getting, wanted advice, help. I began writing programs for other people on uh, gym cards at the you know local health club that I was training at and yeah before I not knew it I got approached actually um from the head of one of the fitness institutes uh, at the time uh he said I'd be a great personal trainer get into you know the cert 3 and 4 so I did that and then started training at that same health club I was uh, a member of Fast forward a few years, I got my brother and a mate of mine, uh, helping with some clients because I couldn't take on all of them myself and, you know, we we're all paying rent and eventually it got to the point where we are like, Hey, this doesn't make much sense. Let's get our own space, you know, I'll get the equipment and you guys can, you know, we'll all just work that. And over the span of, you know, the first five years, things grew pretty quickly. We were sort of the early adopters in the personal training, uh, studio space, you know, this is back in 2012. So, you know, well before everyone was doing it and yeah, we got some really good results. I was heavily interested and invested in learning more about the craft and, you know, becoming a master at transforming physiques. So I did a lot of reading, um, you know, spent the better part of, you know, the next five years after that, just trying to really understand the science um, and obviously we got uh, quite good at helping people with their nutrition training and uh, being able to develop their physiques and that's where we are today. Uh, that's
0: unbelievable. Um, you mentioned you mentioned the science and diving into nutrition um What spa- what sparked your fascination in the science and nutrition in the first place?
1: That's a great question. I think primarily because I realized nutrition is the primary driver of fat loss. And given that that was my main goal, uh, I really wanted to understand that as best I could for selfish reasons initially, just to be able to look good naked. And it, it fascinated me how the body works. And I guess the physiology of nutrition, uh, metabolism, fat loss, muscle growth. It's very complex. um, and Mm. yeah, extremely, uh, interesting topic to, to study. And when you start to understand it, it's, um, it's very cool and it's quite um, empowering when you learn how the body works, you know, in response to consuming a calorie surplus or eating at at a deficit um you know the role of carbohydrates fat protein um you know the different stages of fat loss from you know removal of you know adipose or sorry triglycerides from the cell uh transporting them to the mitochondria and then oxidizing them there. like these things just uh, phenomenal and to think that this is all occurring in the body you know without us even knowing at times um you know is just unbelievable so yeah it's just that curiosity and i think a lot of people you know, have have a degree of curiosity about certain things, and that's what leads them to you know pursue their knowledge and understanding of those things. Um, and mine just so happened to be nutrition. I think nutrition is one of those things that is relevant for everyone. We all eat, we all eat every day, um, and a lot of people struggle with it. So I realised that through my understanding, you know, if I could really hone in my Um, knowledge on these uh, topics, I can help people because it's, it's a difficult thing for many people in this day and age with, you know, the obesity, you know, epidemic that, you know, we're facing a lot of people overweight, everyone wants to achieve an aesthetic and desirable physique. So I found it not only, uh, yeah, of great utility to myself and my own goals, uh, but also in my role as a coach uh, for other people
0: why do you think there is such a why do you think there's such a gap or a fear of improving our relationship with our food because there's someone that wants to but then they don't so why do you think there's such a such a gap there
1: yeah most people have a poor relationship with food um you know, because they over their weight and shape, right? They think that that's the, you know, I guess the beacon of their identity, right? And this leads them to be very conscious of what they eat, and then they often engage in uh, restrictive dietary pa- practices uh, in order to improve their weight and shape. Um, and this is obviously influenced by a lot of social constructs, uh, you know, thin and aesthetic ideals, Um, and stripping all of that back, uh, you know, at the core of, you know, the issue most people face when it comes to their relationship with food is that overvaluation of weight and shape. And addressing that and trying to reframe your identity as being, uh, you know, just more than how you look and what you weigh, is very challenging and it's daunting. And there's not a lot of education and resources out there currently uh, to help people do that. So I feel it's easier for people to just keep trying to diet and improve their weight and shape. They all think they're gonna be happy when they achieve a certain uh, scale weight or look, um, but we know that's not the case. And most people regain, you know, 95% of people regain uh, the weight that they lose in the first year. And then after that, pretty much they regain all of that weight and then some. Um, so we're, we're up against, I guess, you know, ignorance, really. People are ignorant to the fact that in order to actually improve their weight and shape and their physique, they need to value it less in the order of priorities of their self-identity and their self-perception, right? And that, as I said, um, remains to be a very underappreciated area of physique development, one. One. And two, there aren't a lot of resources out there for people to access. A really good friend of mine, Jake Lenardin, uh, he's a doctor. Uh, he's done his PhD in this area and he's doing some great work um, in bringing these kind of issues to the forefront of people's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think it's it's the, uh, the hard route for people to follow, right? It's not an easy path because it, It's quite daunting to go down that road where you really have to, uh, you know, address some demons and, uh, strip apart your values and beliefs about, you know, yourself and the world, that's not an easy thing to do. And and people would just much rather jump on another diet and try to lose weight as opposed to actually addressing, you know, these quite serious, but confronting, um, you know, challenges about how they see themselves.
0: Backtracking a little bit, we're talking about a reframing identities. And when we, uh, when these people are going through these transformations, it's incredibly daunting. And I get that. But as you, as a coach, how are you taking these people from point A to point Z, helping them? What's the process that you're taking them with?
1: Yeah, so a lot of it is about identifying their starting point and understanding why they want to change in the first place. And not just because they want to lose a few kilos, but you know, diving deeper and establishing a very meaningful why, right? So somebody might want to lose 10 kilos. Why do you want to lose that 10 kilos? Okay. I want to look good this summer. Okay. Why do you want to look good this summer? Because I'll feel more confident. Okay. Why is feeling confident important to you? Because, you know, I want to find, you know, a partner and eventually, you know, settle down and have kids. Okay. Why aren't you confident in the way that you look now? And that all of a sudden opens up a conversation where you can really start to understand somebody and you can, you can find those reasons for the changes that they want to make. And when you can align that deep and meaningful why with the behaviors that they need to perform, uh, it's a lot more powerful than, okay, you need to do this just to lose this weight. Okay. If you want to improve your confidence, right, we need to be doing these things. And then we start to attach the behaviors as opposed to the outcome to their why. So instead of saying, okay, to lose this weight, um, you know, you need to be doing these things or to improve your confidence. Um, you know, you're going to lose this weight and that will make you feel more confident. We start to link the behavior to their wife. So we we say to them, you'll feel more confident when you exercise and you look after yourself. You'll feel more confident when you fuel your body and you're eating foods that are nutritious and align with your goals. Um, and that's usually the first uh, point that we start at. As they go through the process of change and they've lost weight and they start to become a different person, essentially, because when they started, they weren't exercising, for example, or they were overweight and they identify themselves as those things. So their identity uh, needs to shift as they go through this process because they now need to identify with these new habits that they're forming. And uh, for example, they need to identify as someone who trains four times a week. And it need to identify as you know that person who, you know, chooses health-seeking you know foods and behaviours over you know being gluttonous and lazy, for example. Um, and then that's an ongoing process, and that's something that a lot of people really struggle with. But helping people establish uh, these behaviours really comes down to being able to link those behaviours to their new identity, and for them to accept that they are no longer the person who used to do the things that they did. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not within you know, the scope of practice that personal trainers are qualified to act in. And it's certainly not uh, something that we're taught, right? Um, these are just things that I've learned sort of you know, as I've gone through uh, my coaching career and um, experiences showing me that it's just really important for people to change how they see themselves and think of themselves as they change the things that they do. And that just makes a lot of logical sense. But I don't think many people actually prioritize this during that transformation process.
0: What skills and mindsets are you giving it to them to sustain these results, if not to bounce off and to give another, like give them the tools and equipment to, to continue with this in the long run?
1: Like, what are you doing? Yeah, so, so, one of the most um, well-known, um, you know, theories of motivation is self-determination theory by Ryan and Deci, in I believe two thousand and one, which uh, basically has found that people who are motivated to do things long-term, they have to have a sense of autonomy, so agency over the process, where they feel like they're the ones, you know, in charge, so to speak, uh, competency which means that they feel like they're competent at the things that they're doing. So, you know, that's where I come in, right? Is I really teach people how to lift weights, you know, how to navigate the gym, how to follow a program, um, you know, what it takes to build muscle to get stronger, you know, the skills uh, that they need to prepare their meals, to go shopping, to, you know, navigate eating out, social situations, um, all the nutrition literacy that they could uh, require for their goals. And then the final uh, factor in self-determination theory is relatedness, so a sense of connection to other people who are on a similar journey. So during that process, uh, in terms of how I help people sustain it, they're really the three pillars that I constantly uh, resort back to. Am I helping this person become more involved in the process? Am I improving their skills and knowledge and understanding of all the things that they need to do to achieve that goal? And do they feel connected to people around them um, and have a sense of belonging that will help create a web of a network that makes it harder to, you know, fall out of the you know process because the more people that they have a connection to during this process, the harder it is for them to slide out. And if you think about going to the gym, if you know everyone at the gym, for example, so all of my clients who come to JPS, you know, I try to make them all, you know, interact and eventually, build relationships with each other. Um, if they miss a session, somebody might say, hey, where were you? They might have five people and you know, all of a sudden they don't want to miss a session because they don't want to be getting you know messages from five other people and people are checking in on them. So they're more inclined to come train. So those are the three things that are really useful for, I think, coaches or anyone who's going through a transformation journey to understand is that you need to Have some agency. You need to be confident and get better at the things that you're doing because that's rewarding, that's motivating, that'll keep you going. Um, And then finally, you need to have people on the journey with you.
0: Absolutely. Um, When you have the people that that's helping you and uh, is keeping you, what's the word? Um, Accountable. That's what. When they're keeping you accountable, it's like, hey, where the fuck were you? As a coach, what keeps you going? Because the, the dropout rate as personal trainers is so high. After the first year, there's, I don't know the percentage, but it's stupidly high. You've been in this industry for a really long time, but what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated?
1: Interesting question. I think a sense of, mastery. I want to be exceptional at what I, what I do. I think also that curiosity, there's always things to learn about um, as a fitness professional, um, because my role and our job is very multifaceted. We've Mm. got to learn about exercise science. We've got to learn about nutritional science, psychology. I've got to understand business marketing, um, all of these different, um, you know, areas and domains um, of science and and other disciplines that, you know, you could spend a lifetime doing one and still not be the best at. Um, So I'm constantly, um, you know, learning new things in different areas. Um, So it's never really got boring because there's always something to to get better at. Um, And then finally, you know, it comes back to what I was saying before about self-determination theory and a sense of relatedness. you know, business partners with my brother, Sam, um, you know, my sister works with us and I've got a team of coaches who are all on similar journeys. So I've got that network of people who, uh, you know, on the journey with me and not only that, but, you know, I'm now responsible for two beautiful girls. Um, you know, my partner, um, my, you know, employees and our clients. So, um, you know, that responsibility, and um, I guess, you know, necessity for me to continue doing what I'm doing and getting better is a huge driving factor as well.
0: How can someone find balance with all of this? Because, um, yeah, how can someone yeah. find balance in all in all, in all of this? We have lives like going out, like going out for dinners, burgers, drinks and that kind of stuff where I was like, When you're giving over, when you're training as someone and that person has got God knows how many other things, how are you
1: giving over that balance per se to that person, teaching them as you will? Yeah, good question. So I don't like to think about balance that much because uh, our lives are fundamentally about priorities. And having a clear order of your priorities uh, means that you emphasize some things and you de-emphasize others. You accept that some things are not going to move forward in the way that you know they once did or that you would like because you are prioritizing other things at this point in time. And if we constantly audit uh, our lives, reflect and have clarity with our direction um, and our goals, all of a sudden you are much better able to identify what's a priority now, and then you simply have to make trade-offs. For example, when it comes to achieving physique goals, if you want to lose fat, you make the trade-off of eating out, drinking, watching Netflix, and you know, mindlessly snacking. That's a trade-off that you accept to achieve your priority. Now yeah. that doesn't mean it has to be like that all the time because you might go through phases where you're gaining muscle and you can certainly eat out a little bit more because you're trying to act, actually gain weight in a very deliberate fashion. Um, you know, same with business, you might make priorities, um, sorry, you might make your business growth a priority, uh, for, for say a 12 month period. And that means during that time, um, you know, travel, uh, socializing, uh, your education might not be a priority because you are focusing on growing the business. The following year, you might deprioritize business growth and prioritize education. And instead of focusing on sales, marketing, um, networking, and all these things that will help you grow your business, you're going to courses, you're spending your resources, time, um, and finances on your priorities. And I don't think you can ever have balance, but what happens over time is if you think about all of these different, uh, I guess, priorities that you have in different areas. So say you have your business and then you have your education and you have your personal life and your own physique goals when you reorder them in a routine and systematic manner, over time eventually all of those are going to get a little bit better mm-hmm. but none of them are going to get better if you actually balance everything evenly because you do need to invest more into a thing to move it forward right it's like you think mm-hmm. that if i have five pillars directly in front of me. And I'm trying to push all five at once. None of them are going to fucking move. They might move a little bit. It's going to take me 20 years to move all five at the same time. But if I go cool, I'm going to mostly try to move this first pillar or move this second one a little bit, this third one, a tiny bit, fourth one, a tiny bit less. And then I won't worry about the fifth one. Now, all of a sudden you can actually move things and then you go, okay, now the next 60 minutes, I'm going to focus in the reversal. I'm going to move number five the most. I'm going to move number four a little bit less, and move number three, less, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, things actually move, but nothing's ever balanced. Your priorities are never balanced because if they are, nothing will actually get done.
0: Okay. So you can tell, and I'm sure a lot of other PETs are very, or not only goal-orientated, but it's very lights on, like you're looking straight ahead. There's no you know, looking at the left line and right and you're just laser focused at, of what you're doing.
1: I, I try to be, but yeah. mostly I look laterally and I try to have a, you know, 360 view of things at deliberate times when I plan for it. So I plan every year, that's why year. I have a whole weekend where all I do is reflect and audit. And I look back, I look forward, I look to the side, and I assess everything in a very holistic way. There's no decision-making. There's no moving things forward. It's just thinking. Mm. And then I work out my priorities, and then it's laser focus. And I think that's really important. People need to do that with their fitness. They need to do it with their, their careers. They need to do it with their personal life um, and everything else in between. Well, I mean, you've been in this gamer for a really long
0: time, and you've helped so many people. So the results speak for themselves. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Still trying hard. Well, yeah. I mean, I realized uh, that I've been in this industry for three years and I've trained a lot of different, a lot of different people and the vast majority are general population, 85, 9 percent of the people. And they all have very similar goals and you're learning all these, you're learning all these different things. And so, um, yeah, every, the, There's so many, there's so many different parts. And then the moment that you realize, Hey, there's all these different parts that you previously mentioned, it's like, okay, sure. I can move really fucking fast, but you also have to, you also have to think I can get really good at a lot of different things. If I stick at it for a really long period of time, it takes the weight off your shoulders significantly.
1: Absolutely. But you just have to always think about the cost to benefit ratio, right? So what is the cost of pushing things really fast, right? I've done that before. I've pushed too fast, too soon. um, And it came at, you know, exorbitant costs. And trade-offs are are, a really critical concept for people to wrap their head head around. You know, there's a cost-benefit ratio. Um, What am I going to get out of this thing that, that, you know, I want to do? And what's that going to cost me? Am I willing and able to do that? Um, because you have to trade something off in order to do that. And, you know, sometimes pushing things really hard and really fast comes with bigger trade-offs and a larger cost. Yeah.
0: I um, A couple of years back, I was super-duper focused on this business that I was trying to push. At the time, I was really into NLP and coaching and all of that. And I pushed everything aside and i had zero social life and i was just staring at my computer and i'm like holy shit, i've sp- uh, like i've done nothing outside of a social life so everything got pushed to the side and i was super laser focused and i was like okay <laughs> i need to focus on my social life now <laughs>
1: well there you go you just reordered your priorities right exactly
0: exactly um, um this has been super duper fascinating um i wanted i wanted to dive a little bit into into macros and trying it to trying it to understand it but for those that don't really understand it how do we simplify you know, like our proteins our carbs and fats and all of that yeah. how do you explain it to your general joe schmo
1: yeah cool so uh the body uh runs on fuel, and that fuel uh, comes in the form of calories. Our calories come from three primary sources, protein, carbs, and fat. One gram of protein has four calories, one gram of carbohydrates also has four calories, and one gram of fat has nine calories. Neither of these sources of calories are bad. Neither of them are necessarily good. Too much of anything can be good, and too little of anything can be bad and we need to think not just about macronutrients, but our diet as a whole over time. And we need to eat each macronutrient because they play a unique uh, physiological role in the body. Protein is the building block of cells for skin, nails, hair, and most importantly, muscle. Carbohydrates are our primary fuel source for high intensity activity, uh, and obviously we need it to function. Uh, you know, cognitively, and fats are very important uh, for the absorption of vitamins and minerals, and we also need them uh, to support our endocrine system, aka our hormones. And how much we eat of these macronutrients is going to depend on our goals and what we're trying to achieve, and also our preferences. Okay, that's,
0: that's the that's the lowdown. Yeah, That's the that's the simplest way to put it. Um. Before this podcast, that you mentioned that you are releasing an app, which is really cool. There's no, there's obviously there's a million different ones, but there's only really a few really good ones. When are you planning on launching? And give us a little bit of a rundown around this.
1: Cool. Yeah, there's there's heaps of fitness apps out there, which is both a good and a bad thing. Uh, I think a lot of these apps are trying to Automate, um, you know, training and diet, um, but it misses out on a couple of key things, which are obviously individualization of training and also, uh, you know, critical thinking. Cause when you automate stuff, you stop thinking, right. Cause you let the algorithms do the thinking. I don't think that's necessarily good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our app, uh, is going to be, uh, for coaches. And we're currently beta testing it at JPS with our coaches and clients, um, that basically streamlines and provides coaches a very cost-effective but easy way to write programs for their clients that isn't a very generic gimmicky app, because there's a lot of those and they're they're not great, um, but also something that's not too complex and too difficult to use uh, with so much data that you don't know what it means and it's it's very hard to use the app. So we're trying to find a, a real nice middle ground, and having mentored, you know, over seven hundred odd coaches, um, and you know, worked with thousands of clients myself. We're trying to model uh, the design of the app on something that gives you all, gives a coach all the information they need um, to make informed decisions, no less, no more. It gives them a lot of customization around how they um, use the app, and also takes out a lot of the tedious processes in writing programs. Um, Mm. and obviously on the user end for the client, it's going to be quite nice. Um, it's going to be easy to use and give them lots of encouragements and obviously track all their progress, um, and also make it interactive for them and the coach so they can contact the coach through the app. That means no more like WhatsApp messages and Instagram messages, all that kind of stuff.
0: That's super fascinating. And when are you planning on,
1: uh, launching it
0: like to the marketplace?
1: Yeah, hopefully uh, by the end of the year or at the very latest uh, early next year. Super cool. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked to see
0: I'm stoked to see where it goes and the, how much further off and the impact you're going to have. Um mate, where can where can people
1: find you? Yeah, so people can find me, Jacob Skepis, S-C-H-E-P-I-S on Instagram. Uh, Or simply search JPS, uh, JPS Health and Fitness and JPS Education.
0: Final question. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give him 10 seconds of advice,
1: what would it be? Think before you leap. Don't rush. And there's always tomorrow. I like that. That's really, really
0: cool jacob i really appreciate your time and everything that you're doing i only wish you the best of luck and I'm, I'm i'm stoked for you man you're gonna do great thank you man i
1: appreciate it thanks for having me on all right bye everybody
0: really appreciate you listening to the episode if you had a light bulb moment or that aha moment It goes such a long way if you could take 20 seconds and leave a five-star written review. Screenshot the episode and share it to your stories and make sure you tag me for that shout-out.